0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Chat Sam or Grey Matter, a talk show co produced by V Success Career and Curious. My name is Rubin Nguyen. I'm your host. I'm also the co founder and CEO at Curious. In each episode of Chat Sam, we'll pick one important matter that is in the grey area, but is very important for the future of your work. And today we're going to talk about generative AI, the threats and the opportunities that come for your work. To help us gain informed perspectives about this topic, I've invited two leading AI experts to join us in this conversation. It's a great pleasure to welcome, first, Dr. Christopher Nguyen. Dr. Christopher is the CEO and co-founder at AI Tomatic, a leading player in advancing AI with domain-specific knowledge for industrial companies. Having led AI teams building industrial AIs across many technology companies and co-founded the Computer Engineering Program at Hong Kong University of Science and Technology. Dr. Christopher is a thought leader in the field of ethical human-centric AI. And to join Dr. Nguyễn, we have Phong Nguyễn. He's a Chief AI Officer at FPT Software and a visiting researcher at Mila AI Institute. So welcome Dr. Christopher and Phong. Before we get started on the main topic today, I would like to ask a personal question. And the question is, what was the biggest failure in your career and how did you overcome it? Uh, the reason why I ask this question is because in the Vietnamese culture, we don't talk about failure enough, even though we do have a proverb saying that failure is a matter of success. But there seems to be too much embarrassment, shame around this topic. so. Uh, today, I would like to ask this question to uh, two of the most successful persons among the most successful people I know. How about we start from Pong first?
1: To become the, like, the chief AI officer of FPT software now, um, nobody knows that I actually have had uh, a time that I have tested and tried so many ideas and have I have tried to start with those ideas to, to bring it to real life, uh, countless time, And uh, none of them have actually work, and none of them have actually made it to the even the, 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 the product phase. As I work in uh, research and development, I have lots of ideas. I work with the latest advanced technology, and I can see there's so many potential in it, but there's a big gap between our uh, research to product. If you come to the product, then there's a big difference between a, a, a good product to the bad product. Uh, During my time uh, in Japan, I tried to make uh, countless applications in AI, and even some of the ideas won the hackathon in Japan. Even the the sponsor of the the hackathon asked our team to quit our current job, 9 to 5 job, to uh, found a startup and uh, bring it to life. But at that time, I was too chicken. out. I, I had a, a baby to take care of. I didn't want to take a, a, a risk. As to see as many actually ideas and products sitting in my valley of death, I would say. I, I'm still trying to pushing a lot of my ideas to the uh, market right now. I don't know what the future will hold, but uh, yeah, that, that would be uh, lots of failure I have uh, buried. At, at the same time, they are the scars on my back and i really like uh, the say that you know the you don't have to be embraced about the scars it's it's met you the warrior so, so that's my story
0: well thank you Phong, for sharing those scars with us i didn't know this about you i didn't know that you have a ton <laughs> of products in the valley of death it's lovely yeah. to know i admire that kind of attempt right ideas after ideas and and you never give up i'm sure one day you'll bring more products to life
1: for sure yeah that's what i hope Keep pushing forward.
0: Yes. Thank you. How about Dr. Christopher? What is your scar? The biggest scar? The deepest scar? <laughs> can I put some salt on it?
2: <laughs> you know, I was listening to Phong, uh, You know, I let him talk first so I can think through what I want to highlight as my biggest failure because there are so many to choose from. I have the disadvantage perhaps of having lived longer and failure is probabilistic. I agree with Fum. It's, it's like... Uh, You've lived long enough, you try enough things, then you realize that it's actually part of life. When I came to the U.S. as a refugee child, you know, 19, uh, at the right beginning of the PC revolution, middle school, high school, college, grad school, and so on. Uh, no existential crisis. You, you couldn't afford to, uh, to, to, to have those things back then, right? You know, I knew I wanted to be an, an, an academic. By age 35, I would be full professor. By age 40, I would be fellow of IEEE and things like that. <laughs> 1995, something was calling out, and that was the internet revolution, right? Um, Netscape had just gone public, and I was sitting there and I said, I'm a hacker, I know this stuff, you know, like better than some of the people starting these companies. But more importantly, it, it turned out, this is, of course, this is many years later, I realized that was in my blood. Um, and and so uh, I actually, you know, started a company on the side. With, uh, it doesn't matter what it was, but uh, but the company basically was on the verge of crashing and burning. There came a point where I had to make a decision whether to go forward or to go backward. And to go backward would be to, you know, in my view at the time, sort of retreat back into academia, right? This this comfort zone that I had, or go forward and you know really you know the, the reason it didn't work out or it's not not working as because i was not doing it full time i remember sitting on top of this was hong kong university of science and technology if you're familiar with it i was one of the founding faculty members there in, in the early 90s i'm sitting on a bench looking down at the calm ocean surface essentially asking myself the question am i really going to do this it sounds melodramatic i would be sort of choosing a life that is completely different from what I had set myself up for to do, you know, as a result of a company that, that was, you know, failing. Many years now, looking back, I, I made the right decision. But the decision at that time was born out of failure. And it took me a very long time, even after having made that decision and launching into, you know, the, the, the entrepreneurial world and so on. Um, it took me many, <laughs> many months to, to adjust, because uh, the things that you face as a business person, as an entrepreneur, are very different from the things that you have to deal with as a, as a, as an academic. But I, I think that was a very painful experience. Like what Phum said, you sort of develop with scars, and the scars are, you, you, you get develop thick skin, right? You <laughs> actually develop for dealing with failure.
0: Thank you so much, uh, Christopher, for sharing your story of. Uh going from a failed academic to a failed entrepreneur, one after another, to develop (laughs) a thick skin, and now becoming an admirable, extraordinary entrepreneur and AI expert. Um, So let's get into the main topic of today. And the first question that I have for you both um, is that generative AI has been around for a long time, right? And um, if I'm not wrong, it's been around since the 1960s. But what's so fundamentally different this time that made chat gtp went totally viral on a massive scale um, they had 100 million monthly active users within two months of launching and this virality is also shaking the foundations of so many businesses and so many jobs as well so what's so different this time may i ask christopher first
2: to me uh, you know the, the short answer is it touched so many millions of lives immediately right that's the difference, you know, no, no matter how advanced or how, or how powerful a technology is, uh, the impact of that technology is multiplied by the number of people in the network. And so you can you can actually attribute many fundamental changes since the 1960s that has enabled that the power of compute, the power of, of data, but also the power of the network, right? Uh, just to give an example, right? Midjourney, you know, is is one of these generative uh, AI tools. The, the distribution channel for that is actually Discord. So, so I think if you generalize that, there's there's something that people underestimate the value of, other than, of course, the technology, um, <clears throat> the deep neural networks. You know, we have a lot to, to talk about about that. Um, people underestimate the value of that simple chat interface. The chat interface is a very simple thing, right? The underlying model is pretty much the same. Uh, and, and it was available to people like us, you know, for uh, over a year, mm-hmm. right? We were building against those APIs uh, and so we're making a lot of impact in, you know, for my customers and so on, right? But when OpenAI put a chat interface in front of it and then ordinary people could access it and, and enjoy the power of it, uh, it's the fastest product, if you think about it, to get to, you know, a million users, like in five days. Right uh, in history, so I think I think that accounts for a lot of the impact, and and we're still feeling it. Right, I, I was just chatting with people, and it's changing by the day in terms of of what what people are seeing is is possible.
0: Thank you, Christopher. Uh, do you have uh, more to add on that? From what do you think is the fundamental uh, difference this time for chat um, sure. Yeah,
1: I have been following uh, the field for a uh, very long time, and. Uh, since I am actually uh, working in MILA, one of the largest deep learning institute uh, in the world. And uh, the scientific director of MILA is the Professor Joshua Banjo, and he's one of the uh, so-called uh, godfather of deep learning. And uh, back then in 2003, he already published a very fundamental paper uh, for the natural language processing field called Neuro probabilistic language model from to 2023, we have 20 years, right, of development. In the middle, there's a lot of uh, memorable milestone. Like one of them is in uh, 2018, where the Google Fox actually uh, comes up with transformer uh, architecture uh, for deep learning. Since then, actually OpenAI has built GPT-1 GPT-2 uh, growing from 117 million uh, parameters to around 1.5 billion parameters in GPT-2. And in 2020, 2020 they released uh, GPT-3 uh, with approximate 175 billion parameters. So you can see the scale has been growing up a lot since you know um, back in the day and that's one paper uh, is uh, very interesting that said you know scale is all you need (laughs) it means that uh, with the uh, computing power with the scaling computing power scaling in in parameters and of course there's a lot of tricks and a lot of engineer to make this work uh, it's been going to get smarter and smarter and I totally agree with uh, Professor Christopher, it's about the easiness in using the product. With GPT-3, it's actually a very powerful language motor and it has been there for al- almost two years. But it's tough, it's harder to use. It's, there's not so many use cases for it to shine. But at this time, a chat interface makes millions of people access to the knowledge, access to the intelligence of ChatGPT. So I think um, like any other product, you cannot underestimate the simplicity. The more simple, maybe the more elegant the product is, the, the better it is. So that's, I think, make a lot of difference. And in the future, there will be a lot of application who will utilize this those language motor and and put it out there. And those with the uh, uh, easy interface or friendly interface, it can gain a lot of uh, difference.
0: Thank you, Fong, for sharing. Perhaps one of the scars you have on your back <laughs> can be solved by this uh, user simple and user friendly interface, right? For the future attempt. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so my next question is about jobs. Um, I read this um, a few days ago. So Goldman Sachs economists believe that generative AI could replace up to one-fourth of our current jobs globally. That is 300 million jobs. So when we look back into our history, right, every time when a new technology comes out, um, people are very concerned about losing jobs from the time when um, steam engine was there, and then printing press, and then the internet came out. Um, people always had serious concern, but in the end it seems like um, humanity has always moved forward in a better way. right? So the, the lost jobs has been replaced by the better ones. I wonder if it's the same thing this time, because 300 million jobs is a lot. And it's too quick, as well as we're not talking about just manual jobs in the, in, in the, the factory, right? We're talking about really highly skilled, intellectual jobs, uh, well paid jobs, such as software engineers, journalists, designers, uh, lawyers, and accountants. I wouldn't feel so much for the lawyers, <laughs> but I feel for, <laughs> for the others. So what do you think? Um, is it going to be the same this time for the so-called the threat of losing jobs? Uh, let's start from form first.
1: I also recently uh, read a very uh, nice paper from uh, OpenAI itself. It has invested uh, the resource to study about how um, LLM, which is large language motor stands for, uh, change the labor market in the future. And uh, if you uh, come online and search for GPTs or GPTs, uh, one GPT means. The model itself, uh, and the other one is called um, is is actually is not uh, the 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 O G P T. It's it's uh, it's more on the, the general tool. In the paper, it said that our findings reveal that around eighty percent of the U S workforce could have at least ten percent of their work tasks affected by the introduction of L L M. While approximately nineteen percent of workers may see at least 50% of their tasks impacted. And also in the paper, uh, it's also analyzed the uh, exposure, the ratio impacted to the to, to large language motor. And it seems like the higher income group people are uh, affected this time.
0: Yes. Very so, different uh, from the, very... all the times before, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's my viewpoint as well. Um, it, it might be uh, a bit different. Um, Yes or no, but I, I can see that, uh, in the past, right, uh, we mostly replace machine with, uh, muscle, muscle task. But this time machine is, uh, more intelligent. It seems to touch, uh, for those jobs that require a lot of, uh, thinking. So, uh, in the past we have like a golden rule, like everything that we have to think less than two seconds, it can be replaced by AI. But now we have to extend that threshold. A little bit more, or I don't want to say it's much more. And there would be new jobs for sure. There would be new way of working for sure. I really like the one of my uh, friend uh, and uh, co- and coworker, Doctor Me, who's working uh, uh, in AI for software. He said that you know, it's it's not going to replace developers, but actually. The developer who can use AI efficiently will replace those who don't. That is very similar to my point of view in how AI will change our life, change our productivity, change the way we are working. It will not, uh, reflex jobs, it may consolidate jobs. So we have to break it even further down because jobs will have some tasks and there are tasks that can be automated, but not the whole jobs itself. When uh, when it reflects some of the tasks, it means that one person can be powerful as three people, at, let's say. Then there will be job consolidation. Then there will be higher productivity. Uh, and AI would be, uh, for me, I love it to be like a Doraemon that can help uh, people. And uh, we can have more time for family, more time for friends, and more time for conversation like this.
0: That's awesome. Thank you, Phong. How about you, Dr. Christopher? What are your thoughts on this?
2: Well, you know, I want to go back to the examples that you gave about the steam engine. Uh, I think those are great examples because people did lose jobs, right? (laughs) Uh, Many years later, we look back and we don't have that visceral feel of the dislocation, right? Because humanity got through it okay, but the individuals impacted by it probably didn't right? So there's sort of the macro versus the the micro. Uh, Ruby, you you touched on something that is also the case, which is, and this time is happening even faster. Right? So we're human beings, we operate at biological speed, right? When horse and buggies were replaced by automobile, that replacement took place over time. And, and the the driver, who used to be, you know, uh, riding a horse, you know, that that aggregate group, that cohort, some of them have time to learn how to drive a car and, 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 and that new job. This time, this thing could be hitting, boom, right? And, and we don't have much time to, to adapt. So I think there is that that real issue. The, the study that Tom was referring to, I think there's you know out of the numbers, there's, there's a couple of things that's really interesting to look at, right? Which is, there's sort of like an uh, estimate that 10% will see their job completely eliminated, right? but 90% will see half of the functions, half of the tasks of what they do eliminated, right? Um, So so a lot of time when we talk about losing job, we think about the 10%, which is quite important, right? You know, like the entire thing is, you know, technology is now replacing, you know, what you do. Uh, Translation, for example, right? Um, Except for translation, the
0: Vietnamese is still bad. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs)
2: But but it's more complex to think about what, what does it mean when 50% of what you do is replaced? Because two things happen, right? Either a company or an employer needs half of you, right? So you're now underemployed. Or you have an opportunity to eliminate the tedious part and become twice as productive. In that threat, there's the opportunity. Uh, I'll share a chart that I made. Um, so Stanford HAI publishes this annual state of AI report. They just came out with it just a couple of ago inside. There was an interesting stat that I looked at and it was essentially reporting the AI optimism versus pessimism, hmm. right? In various countries. Uh, and what I decided to do was I, I I decided to take the GDP the per capita GDP of each of those countries, and then plot it against the optimism like eighty percent optimist you know and twenty percent versus uh, versus you know sixty percent versus forty percent. Let, let me let me ask you to to guess right. <laughs> First of all, is there a strong correlation? What do you think?
0: I think there is.
2: Exactly. I think so too. Yeah, the the correlation, the R squared on that is 67%, meaning mm. 67%, just GDP per capita alone. Now I'm going to ask you the direction. The higher
1: income you are, maybe you're more pessimistic. Yes, I have more, the same uh, guess.
0: Yeah. yeah, I have the That's same exactly guess. That's exactly
1: right. Yeah. Right? And now, now, you know, I want to be like,
2: why did you guess that? Because it may have been the other way around, right? Why is it that... Because, you know, if, if jobs are going to be replaced, the, the, uh, you know, in the lower income country, maybe they would be replaced more easily. Are, are they wrong about being more optimistic than countries like the U.S., you know, uh, uh, you know France, U.K., and, and so on? Right. And, and the, the, but believe me, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll share this with you afterwards. I don't know whether you can work it through the video. The correlation is very strong. I would argue that that is actually the correct intuition. Right? It is
0: a correct intuition.
2: Yes, yes, because I, I think what is being quote unquote replaced or obviated, you know, again, both opportunity and, and threat, is different this time, right? It is it's not about a machine that that replace make you taller, stronger, faster, but is it is intelligence itself, right? Yeah. And we tend to think of intelligence as sort of the top, right? Whether it's humanity. Uh, and, and so on what makes a, a, a high GDP per capita country uh, high GDP is primarily because it is productive based on this knowledge economy right and and, and this thing is threatening that right um, as opposed to a lot of this the physical things like Asia is still building things right uh, manufacturing is still happening there right uh, so I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from these observations number one you know what from said about that that 90% uh, that would see about half of what you do automated away, let's say, right? And then you got to figure out, is that an opportunity or a threat to you? And the other is, you know, again, kind of, the, if you, you think about it, it's sort of the same stat, right? The 50% that is eliminated turns out not to be that low labor intensive stuff, some cognitive stuff. And, and and that turns out to be uh, may hit high income countries more than the lower ones.
0: And there's something fundamentally a little bit feel like a collective uh, identity crisis, right? Because. Um, as human, we are so proud of ourselves as uh, intelligent uh, beings, and now there's this machine that is so much more intelligent than us in so many areas. For example, being a lawyers, you take so many years to learn and to practice. <laughs> I still don't have a good feeling about lawyers, but anyways. Uh, but but now ChatGPT <laughs> can uh, pass the exams. Just that's mind blowing. Uh, I
2: think I think your observation is very deep. There's a lot of people who sort of dismiss. You know, oh, it'll never. You know, it does not. It's not conscious. It doesn't, it doesn't have identity. It doesn't have a world model as, um, some of that, not all of it, but some of it, I think comes from a sense of insecurity. You know, there's something very special about me, right. That machines never reach. I think that's a, that's a dangerous attitude to take, right. Even, even unconsciously or subconsciously. Um, I think the assumption should be okay these things are gonna be more and more capable. How do I use them as tools, right? How do I ride on top of them? I think the, the, the simplified way, there's a tweet someone put that I really like, which is you're not gonna be replaced by, by AI, right? You're gonna be re- replaced by another human who uses AI. Right? And, and it's those humans that figure out how to make this an, an augmentation, right? To make them more powerful, more productive. And my observation is that it is what I call the executive function, right? And, you know, In everything, there's the how, which is below the what, which is below the why. I think these models will increasingly be able to help us be pro- a lot more productive, even eliminate the how. But those humans th- that can maintain and think at the why level, I think that's where it is difficult to replace.
1: Yeah. That's fascinating. The, um, the purpose is uh, very important. Yeah, uh, I, I just want to uh, support your 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 viewpoint um, in the paper I just mentioned. Um, when they plot the ratio of impact and exposure to the uh, technology LLM, um, the paper also argue that you know. Um, for those jobs who require intensive training, like Ruby has mentioned, uh, for, require like master degree or even doctor degree, uh, pharmaceutical, pharmacist, um, and uh, medicine doctor, uh, there will, uh, they actually, um, the, 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 uh, ratio of impact actually drop. Um, and the peak is those who actually uh, in like bachelor degree, <laughs> um, so so actually it it's what happened in the paper, and I I, I did study it. So uh, it's quite interesting. It's like a curve right now, and it's peak at the scale where you have uh, a bachelor degree, and those jobs with, uh, uh, at the higher level. Not yet, I would say not yet, but who knows in the future? Yeah,
0: yeah, maybe just GDP um, seven.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh.
0: So, definitely, this is going to impact um, our jobs uh, in one way or another, and we have to start playing with it, like, start playing with Lego, right? And to figure out how it's going to help us um, to become more productive. And um, there are already so many articles and Twitter threads about how to use chat GDP, um, but what are the ways that people are using it that you see are not the right ways, that people shouldn't use it for this kind of purpose?
1: I recently uh, found um, a talk that uh, trying to uh, show you the bad example of of ChatGPT, uh, and, I, and I'm gonna give one example. It's like you try to use it to uh, hack into something. Like we Vietnam used to be, you know, in in my memory, you know, we we use uh, Windows for free for many years <laughs> because we we always find a way around it and um, and, and use a, you know, a kind of, uh, crack serial key. And, uh, somebody will try to ask ChatGPT to, um, generate a key for the product. And it, at first it refused. But then with a few tricks, it was able to trick the software into, um, solving some kind of math problem. And, finally generate the key to windows ninety five nowadays Microsoft doesn't use it anymore and or EQ it, but uh, still it was able to generate an activation key um, with at least several percentage accuracy so that is one of the ways that people are exploiting the motor for some uh, purpose that is not really aligned with our society
0: now we just put that uh, dangerous ideas into a lot of people's mind
2: (laughs) (laughs) i think coming back to your question there's another way to look at your question which is yeah, quite apart from the illegal and unethical stuff i think there are things you shouldn't do let's forget about the piracy examples and and, and sort of the black hat people wanting to hack things for a moment as important as those are Um, I, i think it's very dangerous to dismiss what's happening. Hmm. So you shouldn't do that. That's the one thing you must not do. And why do I say this? Because I talk to intelligent people, right? People in the field, they ask a question and it gives the wrong answer. And they say, oh, this thing is not ready for prime time. I think that's a very dangerous conclusion for themselves. If you dismiss it and your competitors don't. Right. I'm talking about the company level. Within six months, you're going to be obsolete. There are so many of these tools becoming available, these Lego blocks, Ruby, that you talk about that, that could help you create new business models, new ways of doing things, whether you're a single entrepreneur, you know, create a new, a, a new business or an employee or, you know, in, in a company or in a large enterprise. I think the thing that you must not do is ignore what's happening.
0: So that's, that's that's beautiful, and uh, to be honest, Dr. Christopher, I'm guilty of this. <laughs> I, in the beginning, I was dismissing this for a while, um, because I went to investor meetings and most of the meetings they are hyping about, hey, you have to use generative AI, and I felt like it's being pushed on me too much. Um, and you know how it is like when um, the VCs are hyping about something and they keep pushing it on the startups, right? But then I just I spent some time uh, studying a lot more about this. I watched a whole interview um, from uh, Sal, Sam Alton. Like, it's like three hours interview that he talked about this and other people talking about this as well. And it completely changed my perspective about this technology. And um, I brought it back to my team and we discussed about how we're going to experiment with this, with our product that is still in a beta mode right now.
2: You know, in some companies, they have a ban against using ChatGPT, right? I'm about to say something, but let me make sure I say I understand why. Because ChatGPT, in particular, as a narrow product, not, not, not large language models in general, as a product, because they're releasing this very quickly, and, and they say, hey, the terms of use is that whatever you type in becomes our data. That's just We can talk more about why they say that. It's just a a particular articulation of the product, uh, view. And and so some companies say, Hey, I, I," like Samsung, for example, there was a a situation you may have read where some of their employees put in some of the code, you know, from Samsung. And then a day or two, a week later, it resurfaces elsewhere. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I understand why they banned this particular uh, use of this product. But I say all that to say that in my company I have issued a ban against non-use.
0: <laughs> so everyone must use be- it.
2: Yes, that's because right. In I'm my kidding. department, the same. Right. I'm not even kidding. It turns out. It turns out. You know, we have a small sample, but it turns out the people least willing to adopt this. Guess what? What subpopulation in my company? Yeah, you know, least not willing, but you know, least enthusiastically you know uh trying to use it i'm saying i'm banning you against (laughs) (laughs) at at least you co-pilot to to comment your code or something yeah but but i think i think long term is going to be good for certainly for the company but the individuals as well i want to adopt a tactic of a,
0: of a, a ban against not using this technology, and um, now I'm thinking from the perspective of business owners or business leaders who are owning small and medium businesses who are not AI native like you guys, right? You guys are AI native for most of your life. Um, So it's a time here that every business is now becoming AI powered. And just like um, when the internet happened, right? um, Every business becomes uh, an internet business because you have to have an online presence. Is this same story happening here for businesses?
1: At some level, seeing into the future, I will see um, AI would be everywhere in, in, in part of all the components they are using. So you know, if, if you ask me that question maybe just two years ago, I I still say, yeah, I still will hype. People still use AI for fundraising and some, some other purpose, not related to AI at all. Um, but nowadays to this day, I will see it will change a lot. Like that's like how internet changes, that's how like electricity changes. And I can see the threat of those who not adapting and I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm positive now on, you know, uh, all the pitch deck that use GPT (laughs) in it, (laughs) because those might be, uh, just the same thing like the internet. You need to have uh, a way for people to access. It's, it's, it's actually being so much easier, uh, for, for people to connect and to get information. So, um, with the power of, of AI, we can, you know, um, improve or reinvent our productivity. So why not utilize that? Why not exploit that? And we stay competitive with uh, with the war. And uh, you know, we, we talked about like optimistic and, and pessimistic. So people who are in lower income country, maybe they will see opportunity more than people who are in higher income country. That's what I feel when I'm, I was born in a Vietnamese, as a Vietnamese and I, uh, I can see that if I can bring this to my country and then you know, uh, build some tools wrapping around it and, and help my people to become as productive to become as great as uh, people who are in America, then it will bring a lot of value for Vietnam.
0: Thanks, Phong. How about Christopher? What do you think? Is the time here for every business to become an AI-powered business?
2: I actually answered this question almost 10 years ago already.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: I think from a, the point of view of a business, right? It's already happening, right? Um, the technology is now, is already there to, to infuse, you know, through, through everything. And I think like, like Fom said, right? I think the percentage change or the lift will be even greater when you are today much more manual, right? Or, or, or sort of a lower end, if you will. But even within one, let's say a rich country or a single country, there will be differentiation, like ad- adoption of technology is never, you know, uniform. There's always the S curve. There's always that crossing the chasm and so on. Mm-hmm. And, and the ones that are willing to adapt, this sounds trite, um, the, the ones that see it the right way and, and 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 implement it for their business, incorporate it to their business. Will be that 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 <coughs> that human with AI that replaces the human without AI, and I think it applies to the business level as well.
0: I see. Wow, that's fascinating. The human who doesn't use AI will be replaced by the human who uses AI, and the businesses who don't be powered, who are not powered by AI, will be <laughs> outcompeted by the businesses that are powered by AI. So. Uh, let's say that I'm not a sophisticated business leader in the AI field. What do I do tomorrow? Like, what what should I start doing
2: tomorrow? The cool thing is that the the technology is so much more accessible, right? It's kind of like, you know, when the when the PC first came out, it was very inaccessible, and then internet was pretty accessible. You, know, you need a browser, and mobile is even more easy to use. And then this thing now speaks your language. And so i we think should just playing
0: with it, uh, experimenting with it.
2: Exactly. Absolutely. Get a chat GPT account, pay twenty dollars a month to get ChatGPT+. <laughs> plus. Right? Uh, for example, you already have the plugins capability? Right? It's it's available in, in beta. And if you have plugins, you'll be able to try and use it. I said ask Nick that to start the meeting, you know, the the you know, to, to join the meeting at, at, at three PM. And it's sent Again, same thing. It's, it it chose the care sales. We have a Nick is a sales guy, right? <laughs> it chose that channel and 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 send that message. You know, broadcast that message to Nick. So that's just a narrow example of hey, uh, you know, other than sort of hooking these things up, which is done through a web interface, like all of this stuff, Ruby. You are fully capable of doing it. Right. You, you don't need my hacker skills from you know the last 40 years. Right. So, in fact, I'm here to tell you, you have no excuse. Why are you? Wh- wh- why am I telling you this? Why aren't you telling me this?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm excited about this because this is not just like me lever- leveling up to Christopher, but there's so many Christophers working on this project, yeah, right? <laughs> so many Christophers right. and farms working on this project, and now it's available for everyone to be able to play with and. Uh, imagine the possibilities that can come with their work or their business.
1: When we discuss, we talk about people set the goal for the AI to do something. Like, uh, in, as the example that Professor Christopher just gave, I, I thought about myself for a while, like maybe the future skill would be very important to, to be goal-defining skill. Like today, it, it came up, up with, you know, prom engineer.
0: Prompting. The job. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: But uh, maybe one of the skills that we will be very important in the future is to define the goal for AI. That's yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%.
2: It is not prompt engineering. It is what folks said. It is
1: specifying the goal. You know, it, it, it will be bounded by our imagination. So there you go.
0: <laughs> That's also- AI will make it happen. Uh, so one last question, as a bonus question for this session, um, s- seems like we've all been um, singing the same choir. <laughs> so uh, I have the, the question from the opposite uh, perspective. Um, you you're probably are very well aware of this. Uh, thousands of well-known AI researchers and uh, experts, right? Including Joshua Bengio, from your, your idol. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and technologists such as Elon Musk, who backed open AI in the early days, have signed an open letter calling on AI labs around the world to pause the development of large scale AI systems because of the fear of a profound risk to society and humanity. So, what are your thoughts on this? Why do um, many AI experts and uh, technologists um, are pressuring this um, pause on large scale AI development? Is a past necessary and uh, how will it work?
1: This time I have to uh, disagree with my idol, yeah. even though I don't want to. But uh, I know him very well. He's, he's, he's very kind um, and focused on the development of humanity. He wants AI to be democratized for, any, for every people. Um, but, uh, and he wrote a very long blog explaining why he signed this letter. Um, it's just in my point of view, even pausing for six months, it will not help. Even though the reason that Joshua gave out was we need, really need time to think uh, about, think through of how this technology is going to impact our society. But uh, it cannot be uh, do at, at, ex- at the expense of those who are already very advanced. And slow them down would not help. Even though you, if you try to do that, the people still do it behind the closed door. Then, who who's going to 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 guarantee all of that? Um, so it's not an effective way, uh, for sure. But the message is clear. I admire the message. I admire the spirit um, about giving a strong message that. So the message is, is, is to call for awareness, to call for uh, people to think through about uh, the future that uh, will be heavily impacted by AI.
0: Thank you, from Your answer sounds like Bill Gates and what he said a few days ago. <laughs> How about Christopher?
2: In this case to me, it's who's more wrong and who's less wrong. I actually think they're both wrong. And I mean that in a, in a respectful way. I think the people that say this will never be, this is fine. This is fine. Right. And, and here is my definitive proof of why this is fine. And technology has never done this. You know, uh, you are overestimating the risk. And I think those people are dangerously wrong. So let me, let me say this. It is an established practice that we don't make nuclear you know, technology generally available. We try to hide it somewhat successfully, perhaps unsuccessful, but, but, you know, it's not like, it's not like every technology has always been, Hey, let's make it available on GitHub right away so that, you know, a hundred million people can have access to it. Some things are dangerous, right? At, at least as a society, whether I agree with it or not, there's precedent that society has made these choices before and it hasn't tried to enforce them. Successfully or not. So this is the, the call, this call to action. But if you ask it to excuse not worrying about it, that's a dangerous question to ask. So, but if you ask it and say, are there other ways we can try to put safeguards around it? Right. Like, okay. I'm sitting here. I'm going to predict. I'm going to give you a prediction. Okay. The damages that will arise from this is not going to come from the labs it's going to come from these experiments that that every man woman and child on earth is now able to get access to and it may not be a world shaking event it may be but, but it's not going to be a nuclear button thing right but it's going to be hundreds maybe thousands of little accidents right and that's enough danger they like alfred nobel you know created or you know or advanced the 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 the, the, the dynamite right TNT. That was that was not immediately available to seven billion. Well, you know, whatever the population was at the time, 3 billion people. We do have something that is, you know, at least like dynamite. And we're putting it in the hands of everybody, including myself. I'm like, very excited about this. What if I hook it up to these plugins myself, not ChatGPT, but I hook it and I hook it to some sensors and actuators, and it pushes the wrong button. And, and something goes bad, right? Uh, I, I think the risk of that, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like a distribution, right? Uh, the, uh, the risk of something very big happening is probably low probability, but the risk of something small happening is probably very high probability. Uh, so so th- there has to be reasonable discussion about this. Uh, that is not helpful to be debating over Twitter on. <laughs> it's this is one flaw of human beings that we're too egoistic right our ego blinds all reason and i think that's unfortunately a lot of what's happening in this particular debate today right Pe- people are arguing out of their egoistic identities rather than just rationally looking at there there is risk right and let's figure out how we can deal with it as opposed to you know making sure that a million people agree with me more and therefore you know i I get that that uh, that kick today because because i I win this argument
0: so if there are risks um, and as you said right it's like tiny little dynamites and it's now we don't know how many are going to happen but there's um, access to hundreds of millions of people now Uh, so it seems like a big risk accumulatively or collectively right Um, so it seems like the argument of putting it on pause does have uh, legit right there um should we or should we not do this if you are the the decider <laughs> if you're the decider <laughs> <laughs> should we pause or should we uh continue and by the way the ethical talk about ai has been around for a long time right? it's not this the first time ever
2: a lot of smart people are thinking about this, and i'm not smarter than them i i don't know right but i think it is a legitimate question to ask and to dismiss it Irresponsible.
0: Okay, so you don't want to decide for the humanity.
1: (laughs) It it actually doesn't matter.
2: (laughs) I know what I'm doing, right? We are building these things as a company. like We're concretely building them for our customers. We're absolutely putting in safeguards. So, for example, there's, there's a special term called actuator, right? Sensing and actuation. Before the actuation happens, it has to be confirmed by a human being. That's just a safety valve, right? At minimum, at minimum. And we'll try to put in a a lot of these things, because some of the things that we are working on are like liquid natural gas plants, right? (laughs) Uh, I I work in the industrial AI field, right? Automotive, avionics, manufacturing, and so on. And these are real physical systems. It would be irresponsible for me to hook up these Lego blocks and say, okay, let's...
1: (laughs) Let's, let's, let's now
2: put this in the field without some kind of safeguard. So, so I know that for our part, we're going to put safeguards in place.
0: Right. That sounds like a, an intelligent plan. Um, so actually, I have one more bonus question, but this one is a quick question, 30 seconds answer. Uh, are we close to artificial general intelligence? Do you think it's going to happen in the next one or two decades?
2: A lot of people throw out these terms, right? And 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 yeah, there there has been a, a definition of AGI, uh, but do the people who use the term agree on that definition? So that's sort of a, a, another another issue. Um, I, I, I let me let me try to at least intimate my interpretation of it. I'm not saying it is the definition that I generally agree, but at least for for the purpose of our discussion, that's grounded in something, right? Um, and and it's Ruby. It's what you said, right? Uh, we try to differentiate it was a special you know, versus general right uh, meaning it does only one task there's computer vision pipeline uh i give it echograms of of uh, you know uh, sonar which is sort of looking at the, gra- the, the 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 ocean looking at potential fish and then there's a pipeline that looks at it and say oh at the other side is say mackerel or sardine like this is an actual system that we we help build uh that's all it does <laughs> it can't multiply numbers you know, it it, it it can't hear anything and, and and things like that. So so that's what we see. And then we say, well, humans are somehow better than that, right? We are more general. Right? Uh, the same brain can be used for recognizing tasks, can also be used for driving the car, can also be used for calculations and so on, right? What what the reason I say that is because I think a lot of it has to do with embodiment, right? Meaning the intelligence is one thing, but the sensors and the actuators involved also help ground that definition. So for example, we have ears that can hear, we have eyes that can see, and we can interpret these things intelligently, generally, right? But we can't see infrared. So as far as infrared is concerned, we can't do that. So we're not that general either. <laughs> right? right? So. So, so, so the definition of artificial and in, general intelligence is like, okay, do we use humans as, as that standard? And do we use this, the sensing, those sensors and those actuators as a standard? That's what I mean by not well defined. Clearly, we have models that understand both text and images. So there's an aspect of generality there already, right? That the same underlying representations, right? like, like in, in tools like Midjourney, you can type in textual, you know, prompt. And then it'll generate an image. That means that there's a correlation in, in the statistical distribution when you say a clock, for example. Right? There's a concept of a clock in text, and then there's a concept of a clock that is represented by image. That is a, a, a kind of generality, right? Right? And then you can say, well, well, that's just mapping. Okay. <laughs> 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 right? You see what I mean? Like uh, People are always raising these objections, perhaps in the hope to say that, "Hey, I'm human and I'm better." Right? I'm not sure how productive that is. Even animals have capabilities that are that are better than us, even even in cognition. So, are they more intelligent? So, what I, what I'm getting at is these models. As soon as they are embodied, it won't be limited to just visible light right? Audible ranges, right? Um, they'll have access to, to echograms, they'll have access to high frequency, you know, sound, and, and so on and so forth. And in that sense, in that sense, I'm going to say very, in a very qualified manner. I, I don't see any special block to their becoming or having what we what I call in this definition, AGI. That, that's sort of my punchline.
0: Mm. Thank you. That's a great punchline and I get uh to understand this definition a lot better today. Uh, um, do you have anything to add uh, on top of that?
1: Yeah, it's uh I, I love the definition and I love uh how Professor Christopher has explained about it and uh yeah, given the you know, all the historical input and you'll keep updating of what you're going to predict in the future and uh and, and given the, uh, the answer I gave you, like, uh, several years ago and with today input, of course, my prediction has changed. And totally, I, I see no, um, blockage as well to the path to AGI. Um, where still, uh, the two biggest topic that, uh, Le Koon and, uh, Joshua Benjo is work, are uh, working on is the war motor and, uh, and the reasoning AI Uh, are some of the, to name a few that are on our pathway um, to a general purpose machine. So, yeah, so I would say it's coming close. I I, I still don't want to give you the exact date (laughs) because, but uh, we see it uh, clearer now. Yeah, you know, uh, we're going down that path and it's uh, irreversible. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, according to uh, the definition by Christopher, it's already happening, yeah, right. it's been here already. I love it. Thank you so much Christopher and Fam for the conversation today. I love hanging out with the nerds. <laughs> I learned so much from you too. Uh, really appreciate it and I hope you have fun too. And for the audience of just Sam today, I would love to hear your thoughts. What do you think about the future of your work in relation to AI? Are you ready? Are you excited or are you anxious about this technology? And how are you getting ready for this disruption? So leave some comments in the comment section below. And don't forget to follow and subscribe to success Career channels and Curious channels for upcoming episodes of Chat Sam. And for now, uh, goodbye and see you next time. Gehen-